Hello and welcome into BTN's Take 10 Podcast. This is Alex Root of BTN. We're back after another summer hiatus here on the Take 10 Podcast, and it's hard to believe, but Big Ten Football Media Days are already here. This episode is uh, heavily structured around Big Ten Football Media Days because we have a pair of guests who flew in from L.A. to make the rounds at Media Days, and they were uh, kind enough to stop by and give us some time and talk some Big Ten football. So on uh, this episode, we have a couple of recurring guests, um, one who we've kind of made it our tradition to, to do this interview every year at Big Ten Media Days, the third year in a row. I've been lucky enough to have Joel Klatt on the show. Uh, Joel is a college football expert for Fox. He does uh, commentary on games with Gus Johnson and does a ton of studio work as well. And uh, Joel's always a lot of fun to talk to, so he'll be our first guest here on uh, our Media Days edition of the show. And then after Joel, we welcomed back Bruce Feldman to the show. He's also been on, uh, actually never in person until, until we met him here this week, but uh, he'd called in, I think, each of the last two football seasons to offer his expert analysis, as he's one of the most respected and um, accomplished college football analysts in the sport. So... Awesome, awesome episode uh, with two big-time football interviews, Joel Klatt and Bruce Feldman. And then after that, we wrapped it up with a segment with a now-departed producer here at Big Ten Network, uh, Colleen Degnan. If you listen to the show before, Colleen was our um, assistant producer and co-host of her segment, Call for the Culture, where we talk pop culture and the intersection of sports media and entertainment and just kind of some uh, general laid-back and fun discussions every week and colleen actually left us here at btn to take a job across town at nbc sports chicago and uh she recorded her final call for the culture segment before leaving um btn so like i said a jam-packed episode of weights and we'll get right to it and we'll have joel clapbat lead off and get us going with our interview from chicago illinois and big 10 football media days it's joel clapp All right, I'm very pleased to be joined by a recurring guest here on the show, friend of the pod, Fox college football expert, Joel Klatt. Joel, how's it going? It's good. Um, I can't wait for this year. I don't know why. It's just like every season, it's like it's like Christmas for us college football fans. I mean, for me, this is like the unofficial start of the season. Yeah. Because it doesn't stop now. Yeah. On, so. I always think to myself at media day, I'm like, okay, I could still use a few more weeks, but we'll see. <laughs> how's your summer been, by the way? Good. I did some. I did some golf. That was fun. I enjoyed that, um, and spent a lot of time with the kids. I, I can't tell you how many times I've thrown my kids around in the in the pool because they're seven, five, and two, and my boys just want me to just throw them up in the pool. So I feel like I've gotten all of my lifting done by just throwing my kids around. I was in the gonna pool. say, don't hurt yourself. <laughs> uh, you were at Pebble Beach for golf for yep. Fox. Yep. Tell me a little bit about that. What was that experience like? And I know I mean, you're you're a golf fan, so that's probably yeah, pretty cool. I love I love the sport. I love to play it. It was just you know it was just kind of a magical week. Um, not only the location, obviously the venue is great. It's one of the great golf venues that we have on the planet. But it was a really good championship, and it was also something I've always enjoyed new challenges um, in as it relates to my career. And that was certainly a new challenge. I, I don't have any formal training interviewing people or, or really doing that type of, of, a, of a setting. So 
it was a really um, kind of a magical week. I enjoyed it. It was fun, and it was um, it was something that I I hope can continue. But we'll see. So I was in and out of the coverage that weekend. But were you in a were you in a scuba suit or something like that? Were you diving? At one point, I did. I dove around for some golf balls, and I can tell you right now, I I felt like a fish out of water. I'm not. I I don't have much experience in the ocean. Um, certainly not free diving in a five millimeters, you know, scuba suit down there. But and it was, I mean, it was freezing cold. But my hands, I didn't have a suit on my hands. I had a hood on and everything. But my hands got so cold. And there's so much um, like carp and seaweed in there that I kept getting tangled up, and I had this weight belt on. So when I tell you that I wanted out of that water immediately, I wanted out of that water. Everyone said, "Oh, it looks so so cool." I'm like, "Oh, I would trade places with them in a heartbeat." It's gonna be tough to top this year in our uh, college football coverage. We'll see yeah. if we can figure something out. Um, <laughs> So now we're in late July, getting ready for football, like we talked about. Um, I'll apologize on, on behalf of the city of Chicago, first of all, because the two days you're here, it's like 100 degrees out with about 90% humidity. Like 8 a.m., it was like uh, the largest bolt of lightning and thunder that I've heard all summer. Like, I didn't I didn't realize thunderstorms happened in the morning. Well, you live in L.A., so. I, which, they don't happen in L.A., but when I grew up in Colorado, they were always an afternoon thing. Like, I had no idea you could have thunderstorms at 8 a.m. All right, so when you do visit Chicago and it's safe to go outside, what's your favorite place to visit or maybe a favorite spot to eat? What do you do when you're in town? Um, so I got to Wrigley a couple years ago. That's my favorite place in Chicago. We sat in the bleachers, which was amazing, had a dog. I love to go to Gibson's uh, for dinner. I love Lou Malnati's pizza. Um, what's an, what's another good one? I've I've heard Fig and Olive, I believe it is, is, is a really good restaurant. Uh, Ocheval and Burgers, Maple and Ash, Maple and Ash is a good one. Is a, is a new one. If you're in the mood for burgers, Ocheval is like. Let's see, I haven't done that. Yeah, Ocheval, it's pretty close by. Check it out. I might have to check that out because I can tell you right now, I am starving. <laughs> I feel you on that. The it's box lunch. The, I mean. God bless them. The Big Ten's pulling in more revenue than any other conference. We got these horrendous box lunches. I mean, I'd tell Jim this right to his face. I'll tell Kevin this. Is there anything, clearly there is, I'm being a little sarcastic here, but bear with me. Is there anything more depressing than a boxed lunch? I'd rather have a lunch in a paper bag. You know why? It's a very clear reason. At least in a paper bag. I could potentially get a PB&J sandwich, which is far greater than whatever they tried to give me in that box lunch today. Oh, You got to tell Kevin Warren. I mean, Jim doesn't care. He's, he's on his way yeah, out. Jim, yeah, Jim doesn't care at all. I'm going to tell Kevin Warren, you take some of that $770 million annually and you get some better lunch. Sitting here next year, we'll have it maybe catered and get some burgers. Do you think we will? That. Probably not. All right. I mean, I'm, just give me a peanut butter and jelly station. Next year, Joel, we'll be sitting here. This is a big question, Alex. You ready? I'm going to interrupt you. Crunchy or creamy? Peanut butter? Yes. I like crunchy. I is don't know if I can continue being on this podcast. I mean, the door's right there, but I think it's something growing up. I just I like the crunch. And I don't eat PB&Js really anymore, so I'm not very passionate about it. Wait. But I'll what? take it. <sighs> I'm ham and cheese. Turkey, too. What? This is... No. 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 First of all... I graduated from the creamy PB. is better than crunchy because crunchy rips the bread up. That's just ridiculous. And the crunch, you don't need the crunch. You know why? The peanut butter is already the crunch. I didn't say you I don't didn't need like, any more I didn't flavor. Say I didn't like the cream. I just I, I can you live can't with like, a little crunch. You can't on my like sandwich. creamy and crunchy. I am a creamy guy, and anyone lo- that likes crunchy peanut butter, I just don't know about your life. See, that's the fire I like, Joel. I like that you bring that here because we need a little bit of that opinion, opinionated attitude. That's what you want. And me I'm going to get that right out of there. you in a little bit here. That's right. 
because we're entering year three. Yep. The Fox Big Ten partnership, you know, is it really? we're growing is tighter. It, yeah. yeah, it's yeah, crazy. It's our, wow. it's your third year on the show. At the very beginning, we were uh, talking about the birth me out. of it. Exactly. You were just so, feeling me out. Yeah. So you didn't know I hated crunchy peanut butter. I did not know that. Okay. I didn't do my homework. Okay. <laughs> so I want to get uh, besides your observations on peanut butter, your general observations <laughs> about nice the Fox and Big Ten partnership the last two yeah. years. You know, you coming to a bigger role, calling Big Ten games, getting to Michigan Ohio State every mm-hmm. year. And what you thought just about how our partnership has kind of grown and then how you've uh, liked going around the Big Ten? Um, I've enjoyed the Big Ten immensely. I had never really been um, to Big Ten games before this because, you know, I, I grew up in the Denver area, went to Colorado games, was kind of a Big Eight guy, played in the Big 12. Then our contract for so long throughout my entire beginning of the career uh, in this industry was always with the Big 12 and the Pac-12. And so that's just what I knew. I had been to all of those venues, you know, multiple times over, and I'd never really been. I'd been to Nebraska, obviously, but I was struck. Like, two years ago, when I started doing games in the Big Ten, it just felt different. And and I've told this to, to people in the Big 12. You know, the fans are there earlier. The bands are bigger and louder. The venues are bigger. The venues are louder. It, it it means more. You know, it's just, it's a bigger feel. It's more traditional. Um, I've absolutely loved it. I've absolutely loved it. We, you know, Gus and I, when I say we, I mean Gus and I have an unbelievable <laughs> job. You know, we get to go to the best game in those three conferences and... 80% of the time, it winds up being in the Big Ten. Um, not only because of the quality of the teams, but also the quality of the venues. So I consider myself really lucky. I, I got to tell you, there's only a few places that I haven't been yet in the conference. I haven't been to, to Penn State yet. Um, I haven't been to Maryland and Illinois, obviously. Uh, but, you know, you walk into the big house, it's like it's like college football's cathedral. You know, you walk into the shoe and you can just feel it. It just kind of like it kind of like wraps you in. So, um, I don't know. Just a lot of sentiment there to tell you that uh, it has been beyond my wildest expectations. Uh, now three years in. Well, it's been fun watching, and I like when we have you on. I think the past was every Wednesday or something like that, and I, and I liked hearing your opinions because you're always very opinionated and you defend your on opinions BTN? just like on yeah on btn yeah, and on um, BTN. peanut butter and jelly so uh i want to get your listen if you can't defend your own <laughs> position then you don't have a position I, I told you i'm not that passionate about it we could talk which is fine we can talk no, no, pizza. No, no. I, i'm not saying you i'm saying in general oh, okay okay so okay. everyone's so asking me like why are you so opinionated i'm like well i'm not really that opinionated but if i have an, an opinion i'm gonna defend it right or else i'm not gonna have an opinion does so, that make sense not that, I'm not mad at you. I'm no, just saying no, this in general. Sense, and in that's general. Why so I, if someone's going to ask me like about college football, I'm either going to be like, yeah, yeah, you know, or I'm going to have an opinion, and then I'm going to defend it if if need be. So for me, this is this is a sport that the subjective matters so much that you better have reasons. You better have reasons. You better have details. You better have all sorts of things ready to go because what I can't what I can't handle. Not that I'm mad. I don't know why I'm getting all mad. It's because of the crunchy peanut butter. No. Um, <laughs> what I what I have a hard time with is the blanket blanket statements with no merit. I I hate I hate them. I hate them. 
I hate blanket conferences better. This conference is better than that conference. I hate it. I want to look at data. I want to look at facts. I want to make sure we have reasons for why we are doing things in this sport. And I think if we if we don't do that, then we're in trouble. Well, I think it's hard to evaluate that data when the playing field isn't always level. That's a great you, point. You have that's a great conferences point. that will schedule cupcake games in week eleven. You have conferences that won't play the same amount of in conference games as other conferences. I've got a great example for you. And listen, the Big Ten is is not immune to this. Okay, right. there's no division in college football that has a bigger schedule imbalance than the West Division in the Big Ten. Just because of the way the conference is made up, it's unavoidable, but it is a, a major imbalance, which is one of the reasons why we've seen champions out of the West that we've seen. That's why I think we're going to see Nebraska as a champion this year, just because of the way their schedule falls. Now, having said that, I will give you two points that I want that I want to point out. The first being that the national landscape, we are playing such a different sport all across the country. And I'm and I'm actually I've, I I want to turn a turn a corner because what has happened in the past is that I've tried to speak for one schedule and against another and all that does is it turns one side off from the argument. How about I just argue we all need to play the same schedule makeup. That's all I'm going to argue. I don't care if it's 5 conference games or 6 conference games or 7 conference games or 8. I don't care if it's nine or ten. I just think that everybody should play the same schedule makeup. That's all. So, SEC, are you wrong? No, you're not wrong. You just play the schedule that's best for you. And more power to you. ACC does the same thing. They have their tie-in with Notre Dame, which improves the quality of their schedule a little bit as far as Power 5 opponents, including Notre Dame. That That's not anybody's fault. Let me give you an example, okay? And this brings me to my second point. When I look at some of the prognosticators and some of their top 10 teams in the country, you see obvious, the obvious ones like Alabama and Clemson. You'll see teams like Oklahoma, Texas, maybe LSU. Uh, you're going to see Michigan, Ohio State, maybe Florida gets thrown in there, maybe Utah, I don't know, depending if you're looking at maybe a Phil Steele. Well, if you look at all of those teams' schedule, there's one giant outlier giant outlier and it's going to impact not just this conference but this conference's ability to get its champion potentially into the college football playoff that outlier is that michigan this year plays seven consecutive weeks against power five opponents or notre dame seven that's more than any of those other top teams by two sure the only other ones that come close are teams like Georgia and Oklahoma, who, uh, or excuse me, um, Georgia, Oklahoma, and Michigan State, who have five. Alabama, Clemson, Florida, and Notre Dame, of the top teams that I was mentioning, right? Do you know how many times they're going to play Power Five opponents on consecutive weeks? Tell me. Three. Alabama plays three. Clemson plays three. Florida plays three. Notre Dame plays three. Ohio State, LSU, and Texas, four. Georgia, Oklahoma, Michigan State, five. Michigan plays seven straight weeks consecutively against Power Five opponents or Notre Dame. That's like crunchy and creamy peanut butter in my mind. Like, it's completely different. Mm -hmm. The way that that impacts this conference is that I think some, maybe me included, and I'm not sure really you know, where I totally come down, 
would favor Michigan to win the conference. They've got a great O-line, a really good quarterback, seem to be going in the right direction offensively, at least from a schematic standpoint. Got a really good defensive coordinator, which leads you to believe that they're continuing, going to continue to play quality defense. They get their rival at home. You can say hey, they, they might win the Big Ten Conference. I think most people would, would favor them, even with their history against Ohio State. I don't know if they can go through that schedule like I just told you with the requisite record to get into the playoff. Mm -hmm. So now you're impacting not just Michigan, you're impacting the Big Ten. That's why I think that we need to do a better job of playing the same sport. If we all want to play just four consecutive games against, that's fine. Again, I'm not going to argue that anybody is is worse or better in this scenario. All I'm saying is, is that when you're different, then it's bad. And right now, I think the level playing field is not so level. And I think that we need to do a better job of finding ways to all get on the same page. And I think we start with forming a centralized governing body over the sport of college football. And unless we do that, we're not going to be able to to solve any number of issues, but certainly schedule imbalance is going to be one of those. I think I agree with you on pretty much all those points. You know, concerning the landscape, like I've always, it's always bothered me how teams or conferences or whoever plays by different sets of rules. One thing I definitely I, can I yeah, just interject one yeah. more point, and it's it's I want to reiterate my point. I think we need to move, and I say we because I've been guilty of this, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you have too. We need to move from complaining about the way they do it to looking at it and saying, okay, we all just need to get on the same page. Right. It's no longer you're good, I'm bad, or, or I'm bad, you're, you know, I, you're bad, I'm good, blah, blah, blah. It's not about who's right. It's about what's right. I think that's a big distinction. One Sorry, thing that, no, no, I was going to say, I think you and I are on the same page about, uh, I've seen you take a stance on this, is the clock is not stop on first down nearly as much it should only oh, stop i love this you're getting yeah, into i'm telling i'm telling you this is like people <laughs> at the office hear me complain about it why is the clock stopping after every first down i think you said let me tell you why actually i'll tell you exactly why um because the rule committee is a bunch of cowards um because the coaches on the rules committee are made up primarily of lower level coaches and the ones that are on it from the fbs and more specifically from the power five generally have offensive ties how do they get more contracts? How do they get more dollars with more numbers? How do you get more numbers? By snapping the football more times. It's all about volume. It's a totally broken system. The fact that we don't do this and the fact that they haven't done it, even in the name of player safety, much less length of game, but the fact that we could minimize the number of snaps without changing the game. You're not changing the game fundamentally at all by letting the clock run on first downs outside of the last two minutes of each half. You're not changing it at all. It is the exact same game. You're not changing rules. You're not saying you can't snap it in the first 10 seconds of the play clock. And we don't do it because these guys are incentivized to make more money by snapping the football more times. We try everything in the world to say that we're making our game safer than it ever has been. And while it is safer than it ever has been, These cowards refuse to change that simple rule to minimize the total number of snaps that these players have to play in an overall season. Give me a break. That's the most obvious thing of all time. My thing is the games are too long. I mean, obviously everything you said is spot on there. The games are just too long, and people, 
want to wonder why you know attendance is declining, why people would rather watch at home. It's hard to sit through four sure. hours of college football. And it's also, you know, everyone wants to blame television. Well, let me just let you in on a secret. There's more commercials in the NFL than there mm-hmm. are in college football. There are. We only get four commercial breaks per quarter. In the NFL, they get five commercial breaks per quarter. That's in the contract. So don't tell me, like, you take more commercials than ESPN. No, we don't. No, we don't. It's in the contract. Those people are lying. Now, floaters are a different story. A floater is a commercial that we would take for 30 seconds that doesn't stop the game. Okay, so we're going to be back in 30 seconds. And if you're going to whine about that, I don't really know what to to tell you because everybody takes floaters. Now, going back to the length of game. Why is the NFL game so much better in terms of length of time played? The rules, the operations, the officials, the replay system. Our replay system in college football is egregiously slow. Egregiously slow. What do you mean we can stop it at any time because some old guy up in the booth thinks that he saw something? This is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. This should be coaches' challenges. They're all making four or more million dollars, it seems like. Why don't we give them... The opportunity to challenge the play. Let me tell you why they don't want that. Because they don't want the pressure of having to do it themselves. Because guess why? We're all going to ask them about why didn't you challenge this or that. And they're the ones that make the rules. So there again, coaches are making the rules that are more beneficial to them than they are to the betterment of the entire sport. I'll say this to any of their faces. These offensive coaches that won't change the clock rule the coaches in general that won't change the rule in order to change replay because they don't want the pressure and ultimately the responsibility of coaches' challenges versus the old guy up there stopping the play is ridiculous. The power that the college football coach has is far too great, and we need to minimize that to some degree in order to make the sport better. Joel, you're doing the car wash today, so i got to get your header soon, but I've loved the fire, the passion, I know. Well, you started. You got, you got I got it you going, and you know what? You got it with the peanut That's what butter. I asked for. So the peanut butter just got you going, and it all went, I'll say, uphill from there. Cause it was Do you know that we can't fix anything, really, without a governing body over the sport? Like a real governing body. We were talking because about this earlier today. Yeah. It's, like a, it's like spokes on a bike. Like, you you fix one spoke, it's it's not going to fix the wheel. Um, and, and so all of this is monumental, much less name, image, and likeness, which we're going to have to get right, uh, much less the postseason. I would argue that you can't fix the postseason without fixing schedule inequities. You can't do one without the other. You can't fix schedule inequities without fixing the postseason. All of these things are tied together, which is why um, we need some common sense on what we're going to do from a governing standpoint over the sport. Well, when Joel, when that committee forms, I'm going to vote for you as president. So... I'll be the college football commissioner. <laughs> commissioner, they're not going to. They're not going to watch. King, let me, let me tell you what we're not going to have: box lunches. <laughs> we'll wrap it up there, Joel. And there we go. We come full circle. Full circle. Thanks so much <laughs> for joining well, me. Appreciate it. the time. It's always fun. You bet. All right. Thanks once again to Joel for joining me. I always enjoy talking to him. Always look forward to his analysis every week and his calls every week during the college football season. And like we talked about. Uh, his expanding role at Fox Sports, like the golf coverage that we caught him on earlier this summer. So thanks again, Joel. See you next year. And uh, now we'll kick it over to our other college football expert from Fox that we hosted here at Big Ten Media Days. That's Bruce Feldman. Um, as I introed earlier, Bruce is the top of the top as far as college football analysts go. Works for Fox and The Athletic. 
And he also is now a three-time contributor to the Take 10 Podcast, so we'll get into that interview right now. It's Bruce Feldman from Big Ten Media Days. All right, very pleased to be joined once again by Bruce Feldman, this time in person for the first time. So uh, good to see you, Bruce. And uh, Bruce writes for The Athletic and does college football coverage with us here at Fox Sports. So, Bruce, finally uh, good to sit down with you here in person. It's good to meet you in here. Uh, I'm excited. Football is just around the corner. Absolutely. And, um, you know, it kind of sneaks up on you every year, I feel like, and and it hits you all at once at media day. I don't know about you, but... um, my summer feel, feels like it's flown by. How's your How's your summer been? Have you had any time off? Uh, you know, look, we work in sports. It's all time off the way I look at it. It's uh, a good attitude. Yeah. Uh, you know, it gets you by after a while. So I think what's what's been fun is, uh, you, know, you mentioned I'm writing for The Athletic, so I've been able to get out on the road and do some stories that I've really kind of been able to spend some time with and develop, and that's been good because it kind of goes hand in hand with my work for Fox and, and as a sideline reporter. So... Uh, it's been really good. Now just kind of can reconnect with a lot of people and a bunch of coaches who I know here in Chicago. So uh, our crew for Fox, I think I have three Big Ten teams in the first two weeks. So I'm excited about it. How's everything going at The Athletic? Seems like every week they're hiring new writers. It's growing. I'm a subscriber. I enjoy all kinds of content that you guys put out. Um, how, how have you been enjoying that responsibility? It's been awesome. I mean, I just personally, I've been so inspired uh, and have a lot of energy to write because really the a lot of places in the last five, 10 years, different websites and companies have like changed the message because they're trying to figure out their audience. And really the, the one kind of directive the people who run The Athletic have is just go tell good stories. And there's a lot of good stories out there. And I think because of the way the media landscape has been in sports and, you know, purse strings are tighter to go travel, that The Athletic has been able to really fill a real void that's out there. And we have a lot of good beat reporters in the Big Ten footprint. Uh, Just last night I had dinner with Jesse Temple, who covers Mm -hmm. Wisconsin, and he's as good as he's better than anybody else out there on the beat. And just as somebody who who does sideline reporting – I mean, that's a gr- they're a great resource for me. I mean, nobody r- is writing more about Iowa in detail than Scott Docterman. And we have, you know, two guys on the Big Ten, on the Ohio State beat. And just, there's just, uh, you know, we hired Mitch Sherman from ESPN to go cover Nebraska, where he's from. And, I mean, these people are all over their beats. So uh, it's been, you know, we had an offsite here in Chicago last, you know, in mid-july and there's just been a lot of uh a lot of energy and positive energy and and they're really committed to, to doing something special and i feel like the response has been great from the audience so this is a personal curiosity do you go in and engage with the commenters at all do you do you talk do. back how do you decide to do that uh i definitely do and one of the things so when i worked at espn part of my job i worked by at espn insider which was behind mm-hmm. the paywall and the way i approached it was these people are paying additional money to read my work, they are my customers, and I felt, uh, you know, an obligation to to engage uh, on that. With the athletic, I try to get in the comments. Uh, there's maybe a you know a handful of stories that I'm like, all right, I'm just going to let that be. But for the most part, I do read the comments. I mean, I had a story probably three weeks ago on Nebraska's quarterback coach Mario Verdusco. 
it got a lot of traction and you know i i didn't feel like it was tedious to go in the comments but you know just think like i said people are paying money to read your work i think it's not asking too much to at least uh have some back and forth with them yeah and i think because of subscription there's a lot of quality comments and good quality discussion at the athletic and it's keeps me scrolling when i get to the bottom of an article i want to see what people have to say usually like you do there's responses so that's always enjoyable for me and uh, i mean i even feel like it's not a bad thing for me especially as one of the older writers on our staff to get in on the comments of some other people's stories now i may not say you know this person did this but just to be supportive of our other writers just because i think it's a good habit for all of us who work for the company yeah to be invested in in our work and in our relationships well i'm not surprised uh your story on Nebraska's quarterback coach got a lot of traction because I remember being at their practice and being fascinated by him. He just doesn't look like yeah. a normal quarterback coach. And I know we had done, uh, I think, a, a documentary-style story on him at BTN. And if there's one thing I've learned from running BTN social media the last few years, it's that Nebraska fans are very passionate. So I'm not surprised that they engage with that story. Um, Bruce, I'm curious, kind of staying on the athletic and your overall career here, just between your writing and your travel and your, your sideline coverage with Fox, what does a typical week look like when you're in the middle of football season and all that kind of stacks up? Yeah, it's so, I mean, let's start on Monday. You know, we have a couple of conference calls for Fox Sports, and one is a studio conference call that I, you know, myself and Joel Klatt take part in. Uh, and then I have our the podcast that I do with Stu Mandel, The Audible, we'll tape that. And then I'll make a bunch of calls for the upcoming game we have. Now I feel like uh, I pretty much every every school we do, I I feel pretty confident there will be at least one or two assistants that I'm that I have pretty solid relationships with that I can get additional information beyond just what we're going to get on our production meetings. So I'll try to get that to get out in front of things. I'll hopefully have watched uh, the game that had just happened on each team. Uh, try to watch the broadcast if I can. Um, in addition, uh, I usually, last season I was writing a column for, for The Athletic on Tuesday, so I was trying to write it Monday night. Usually that goes hand in hand with kind of what I'm covering. It's not like I'm writing about the NBA and mm-hmm. I'm doing college football, but it's still, you know, I'm balancing it. Then, you know, Tuesday there's more research, there's probably some conference calls. Wednesday I'll go into Fox for some usually for a show and then also like I did a BTN show last year with Dave Revson yep. and took part in that and we may have more calls and then I leave Thursday morning to fly to wherever we have for a game you know usually as Thursday's a travel day get together with the rest of our crew Friday we're at the with the uh, host team with players and coaches and then we're having our own production meetings we have a production dinner on Friday on Friday nights and then Saturday, it's it's game day. And for, usually, after our pro- production dinner, um, I'll usually... Thursday night, we may go out and get a beer. Friday night, after dinner, I will go back to my hotel room. I'll watch whatever Friday night game is, and I'll work up potential sideline hits in a, you know, in a, in a doc, Word document and get it off to my producer and, and our, the rest of our crew just so they know what I'm thinking of doing. And then we get to the game. Hopefully, I'll have gotten some sleep on Friday night. I'm not great. I'm not a great sleeper, but so I have enough of a routine now yeah. where I know it's just you know. Last year we could be doing you know, 
we were all over the country and it's also you know you're going at different times when kickoff is you're adjusting the time zones it's not that that's hard but it's just like it's just you know it's harder to get as much into a routine and what i do a lot of our crew if we have an earlier game we'll fly home i stay in the i'll go back to my hotel room stay in the city i'm in because i don't want to be on a plane when college football is happening and i'll fly back first thing sunday morning and that's the process living the dream i'm curious do you have a Big Ten city or venue that stands out that you like getting to or one that's maybe opened your eyes and you've enjoyed uh, as you've covered the Big Ten for Fox? Yeah, you know, the one that I would say, because you framed it as open your eyes, uh, Iowa has been a, a really cool stop. Now, first of all, Kirk Ferentz staff treats you very, very well if you're part of the TV broadcast. They're very hospitable. We've had some good times. The first time I was there... Uh, it was Brady Quinn's birthday, and we had a night game against Minnesota on Saturday, so we were able to get out and have a bunch of shots to celebrate his birthday. Yeah, <laughs> so that was good. Um, it's a little tricky to get to, just because I mean I'm flying into Chicago and I'm driving. Yeah, so you uh, do the drive from Chicago. You know, I do. Cedar Rapids. Or I kind of have a rule that if it's under four hours, I'm going to do that. That's right at the four chance. hour mark. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's a little less than that, yeah. but uh, I, I think Madison's a, is a really beautiful town and it's a very cool place to see a game i enjoy that i've been to ohio state a lot of times and so i have a familiarity with it which is good and it's mm-hmm. obviously i know i'm going to see a, a great team when i go there um those are the ones that for now stand out you know i'd i haven't done a game i've 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 been to games at michigan as a writer i've not done a game we've done michigan games but not when they were the home team so i can't really comment on what it's like to be in the big house and, and be on the sidelines so that's that's different. Um, you know, I've done Penn State games, but not in Happy Valley. Uh, I have done a bunch of Michigan State games and enjoy that because, again, like a little bit like Ohio State, I have familiarity because I've done so many games there. Yeah, Iowa, first one you mentioned, I mean, they one of those places that does game day right, like the whole experience, the tailgating, it's always usually sold out. Walking down the campus, you feel it. Um, and I'm in for the bad weather because I feel like I've been there twice in the, you know, it's not technically winter, but the weather's been pretty miserable. And so I've been to the Fin and Feather and bought, <laughs> bought clothes that I don't need in Los Angeles. <laughs> and it's like one of those things like, I'm good with it because to me that's football weather and I appreciate it. And in some ways I like that more than we did a game. It was a Maryland game and it was a Maryland home game, but it was at where, uh, God, I'm blanking, where the Redskins play. FedEx was, Field. Yeah, I guess yeah. it's FedEx Field. Yeah. And it was, the temperature wasn't even that that high, but the humidity was brutal. And I'm in a suit and it's like, you know, I'd I'd rather shiver on camera than sweat. So <laughs> I'm I'm with you. I'm a big sweater and can't imagine having to go in front of the cameras when I'm at my worst out in the heat. So especially like a day like today in Chicago, like yeah, that. it's, it's been, like and you got Matt Leinert sitting in the air conditioning yeah, studio. Yeah, Quinn Leinert. Well, all the product in Matt's hair, and I can hear him giving me a hard time about, hey, Bruce's hair is doing this. Okay, man, you're in the studio. It's air yeah, conditioning. And yeah, not everyone uh, has the chisel good looks as those guys. So. Uh, Keep it on the Iowa subject. Um, this is the this is freaks list time of year for you. You you put out your annual freaks list about the, I guess physical freaks literally in college football that have the uh, craziest, I guess numbers or achievements or the stuff that goes viral on social media. And you got a Hawkeye at number one, right? I do. Tristan Wirfs. I mean, ridiculously strong. You know, former state champion uh, wrestler has really. You know, a lot of these guys are also really good players. Not all of them are great players. Most, many of them are. He certainly is a really talented kid. Um, but also, you know, not just, uh, you know, incredibly strong. Also, you know, 35-inch vertical jump. 
And this is a huge guy. I mean, it's funny. Like uh, somebody had sent me a picture of him on Instagram. I I think I don't know if he was with him as his girlfriend or his family. I, I, there was a bunch of pictures. Mm-hmm. I look like him at the beach, and I'm like, oh, I didn't want to put those out there. But I mean, man, he's 320 pounds and has you can see abs in him. You just don't see a lot of linemen like that. So just on raw power and explosiveness. Uh, I put him number one. There was probably five other guys I could have had there. I mean, Oklahoma has a defensive tackle from Canada who is ridiculously fast for being 300 pounds and running 476 and squatting 700 plus pounds. I mean, just super strong. Uh, I had a couple of Penn State guys on there. Yeah, it looks like six and seven, I think, in your top yeah, ten. Yeah, you know, and obviously, I think just from talking to the coaches there, Micah Parsons is going to be. You know, he is a phenomenal player and he's a phenomenal talent, just going to keep getting better and better. Uh, one of the guys I had in my top 10 who I think I wouldn't have known so much about, but we did Indiana, Ohio State, was uh, Marcelino Ball, mm-hmm. Reggie Ball's much younger brother. Um, you see him out in the, in the, you know, in pregame and the kid's walking around. He's got like a 12 pack and he's, you know, super explosive, really good football player. Um, you know, he's in there. And there was there was a handful of other and, guys. Yeah, you mentioned that all the players are great at football, but uh, one of the other Big Ten guys you had in your top ten certainly is Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I don't great, know your great football uh, player. Yeah, yeah, I mean, unanimously, I think everyone knows his talents and recognizes that. But I'm curious if you think he'll be enough, or the the people around him will be enough to get Wisconsin back to. Indy this year back to prominence I guess they kind of fell off a little last year so yeah I don't know like we had them at Northwestern it was a rough day they just sputtered all over the place mm-hmm. Jonathan had some turnovers they couldn't hold on the ball that was a game where Jack Cohen had to it might have been his first start because uh you know they were just they were just out of sync right and um I'm curious to see if they have a bounce back because they've been so good for so long right. you just don't expect them to to kind of go in that direction and obviously he's a key piece i still think that there's plenty of talent around them what i do think has happened in the west is the rest of that division has gotten better right down to the bottom like illinois has been really young i think they're much better i definitely think nebraska is going to be a lot better i think that minnesota you saw the way they finished last year i mean we have a minnesota thursday night game early so i've talked you know a lot of folks about them i think they're very competitive Purdue. Yeah, Jeff Brom. I mean, they got the most exciting player maybe in the country, much less the conference, and Rondell Moore. I think that as long as Jeff Brom's there, they're dangerous, right. you know? So, and I think Iowa's going to be really, really good. Um, can't forget about the champs either. No, you can't. Or? I mean, you know, and I we have them week one at Stanford, and I, I can't wait to see Hunter Johnson. I mean, that's, that's a great quarterback matchup. You know, a former five-star right. kid quarterback at Clemson transferring in. They're going to be really good on defense. Um, against K.J. Costello, who's a really good quarterback in the Pac-12. I mean, I know people have joked it's the Nerd Bowl. I mean, those are two really good teams. Before we wrap up, Bruce, um, let's talk a little bit about the East. I know you just mentioned Mr. Ball in Indiana, and I know you were impressed with Indiana last time we spoke and, and how they performed against Ohio State. I don't think anyone has them as a contender, but who do you have as a you know potential champion? I think Michigan is... is um, kind of the hot topic because it, it could be the year they finally get past Ohio State, especially with Urban gone. Penn State is always lurking. And then Ohio State is a fascinating story with Ryan Day uh, in his first year there. So what are you looking for out of the East before we wrap up here? I'm going to I'm gonna roll the dice and say this is the year Michigan breaks through. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big believer in Josh Gaddis. Uh, I think it's a gamble because he's never been a play caller. 
He's never been the OC. Now, he's incredibly well-respected by all the people who've worked with him. He is very charismatic, and he is really confident. And I think that confidence, and he knows from his time working under Joe Moorhead how critical that piece is. I mean, I did a big story on him for The Athletic two months ago, and the confidence and the surge of positive energy is something that, on that side of the ball, I think had been lacking. And I think he's brought, you know, the word swagger is, is become cliche, but I thought he's brought an edge that they could use, especially the way they finished last season. They have a great offensive line. Um, you know, I'm going to think that this is the year that they break through. Now, the other three teams on top of the division, I think Ohio State's still really going to be very good. Um, I think that Michigan State, with that defense, can play with anybody. It's just, you know, will we get Brian Lewerke from two years ago? If we do, then that's a top 15 team. If it's if it's more like it will somewhere in the middle then they're a fringe top 25 team. Penn State is the one that, you know, I I have, if you ask me who's the best coach in the conference right now, I'm going to say James Franklin. Now, some of that is, a big part of that is because he did work miracles at Vandy. But he got that program going. Now, what's different is, you know, he lost Saquon, he lost Joe Moorhead going into last year, and then this year he lost Trace McSorley. You know, that was the nucleus of that offensive juggernaut. Now they got to, you know, reinvent it a little bit. But he's still in charge, and I think he's got a lot of athletes there. Uh, I think they will, I don't want to call it a bounce back because they finished 17th, but I think they have a chance to be a top 10 team too. So I think this is the best division in college football. All right, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fascinating. Bruce, really appreciate you taking the time, and I always appreciate your expertise on the show. It's great to finally meet you. Yeah, same here. Thanks for having me. All right. All right, thanks once again to Bruce for joining me. We'll now begin our final segment of this episode and it's the final segment brought to you by Colleen Degnan our former producer who uh, helped us out with her call for the culture segment Uh, like I said at the top of the show she took a new position at NBC Sports Chicago so she had to sign off and do her final sports culture and entertainment edition of uh, Take 10 podcast and uh, it was a lot of fun so we went a little longer than usual just because we had to do some farewells but um it was a good wrap up and recorded about a week and a half ago so some of the references are a little outdated we talked some world cup talked some nba summer league but uh it's a good discussion and i hope you hang around for it so it's the final call for the culture segment here on the take time podcast and it starts right now All right, we're back in studio with another edition of Call for the Culture with Colleen Degnan. This is Alex Rue. Colleen, how are you? I'm well. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. Um, summer's hit the accelerator, hit the turbo boosters, and feels like it's almost over. Like I've always felt like after Fourth of July, I think this has kind of stuck with me since college, especially since like we're still kind of on that college calendar, working at a college network. But, like it always felt like once Fourth of July was over. Then summer's over almost. Like, July just flies by. That is the worst take and, ever. And August is basically back to school, it feels Absolutely like, not. So. July, in the Midwest at least, is the start of summer. What? It, it was so cold hard, all of June. Hard disagree, because in college we'd get out of school, like, early May. And then May and June would kind of feel like your intro to summer. And then 4th of July hits, and after that, you know, it felt like people were on vacation. Your friends were always gone. And then August, school starts, like... August 20th and then for us I'm on the bus tour all of August so I'm basically back to school I feel like I'm still in college in that sense 
and then football season is right around the corner. So I feel like we're already on the definitely on the back nine here, maybe even on like the the last five holes of summer here. I'm still warming up. I'm in the driving range. I'm on the putting green. If we're sticking with this golf analogy, all right. All right. Let's let's get past the small talk because we have some serious and big news for you to share. Um, we're, we're taping this on July 9th, 2019, and our last episode, uh, I actually wasn't aware of this news on, <laughs> I think it was like July 1st or whenever we recorded the last one, and we were making big plans for the future and talking about how we're going to conquer the world on, on Call for the Culture on the Take 10 podcast, but uh, you have some big news to share, so uh, let's let the audience hear it. Oh, gosh, putting me on the spot. I mean, I guess, yeah, my, I'm coming to a close here at BTN this Thursday. It's the, the final day for me here. So you're leaving to do what? Um, staying in the sports world. You can find me over at uh, NBC Sports Chicago, so not too far away. Just a away. mile down the road. Just very a mile close. Mile up the river here in Chicago. Exactly. So will Culture there, can live on. Will there be yeah, a rival podcast that I have to worry about <laughs> coming out of NBC, SN, NBC? It used to be CSN, now it's NBCSC. <laughs> Whatever, it doesn't roll off the tongue very well. Uh, Already throwing shade, wow, um, quick to kick me to the curb. Will there be a rival podcast popping up? We'll see. We'll see, we'll see. Uh, they do actually do have a good podcast network over there. They have like one for each team, I think, the Bulls talk, the Cubs talk. Obviously, I watch a lot of that channel with my favorite teams being on that channel. So congratulations to you, Colleen. Uh, before we wrap up here, before you leave, we obviously did get one more addition to Call yeah. for the Culture, and so it's going to be a good one. Love it. Thank you. All thank right. you, thank you. All right, let's do it. Um, and just we'll stay in the, the theme of you, to start, stay in the theme of you leaving and kind of tie it in with some of the summer league action we've seen out of the NBA in the first couple of weeks of NBA summer league. And first of all, I just have to say, I'm a big fan of summer league. I don't think I'm alone in that. It feels like the NBA season never really stops, but there's not, like, an obligation to really follow. You can just kind of tune in as you please. I don't know about you. It's amazing. It's, like, recreational. feels, like, a little bit more relaxed, casual. You're taking stake while some of these players are still getting traded around, figured out, figuring out what the roster is going to be. It's a big kind of convention in Las Vegas with, like, all the real players or established players hanging around, not playing, but watching. Right, and it's also a good chance for a lot of our Big Ten alum to get some PT. Yeah, there's a ton of Big Ten players showing out. And since you made a decision to leave BTN, <laughs> we'll tie that in with some of the decisions that we saw to leave school early to go to the NBA. Um, and we'll talk about some of the, the good decisions, I think, that, that at least have looked promising so far in the first uh, week or so of Summer League. And I think we got to start. Yeah, who's with, your f- best player, you think, best decision to leave? I mean, at this point, it's so early, but Iggy Brasdakis has basically overshadowed New York's number three overall pick, R.J. Barrett, with his play. He had 30 points this past weekend. Um, By the time this airs, probably in a little over a week, I could be completely wrong, but, I mean, Iggy's showing out. He's opening eyes, and he'll definitely have a chance to have a prominent role in that team because the Knicks are going to stink. So Iggy, I think, uh, somebody that I kind of was skeptical of him leaving at first because I thought if he stayed another year – he could probably establish himself as a first-round pick, easy, maybe a lottery pick. Um, but, you know, with John Beeline leaving now and maybe Iggy obviously believing in himself and being a very confident guy, 
Uh, it looks like it's paying off so far. Yeah, his confidence never lacked during this past season, so I'm sure he's doing very okay in that department. I was still watching, or I was watching to see if he still did the money sign that he does after made threes, and he's still doing it in the NBA. So, like you said, his confidence is not lacking. Uh, I'm going to stick with Michigan for the next one. Uh, Jordan Poole is a guy who is not so much summer league related, even though he has played well in the summer league so far. But I was skeptical that he'd even get drafted coming out of uh, Michigan really? after two years just because, you know, he wasn't like a, a first-team All-Big Ten guy. There, there's guys that had better Big Ten careers objectively than Jordan Poole who didn't get drafted, who, um, you know, weren't really on the radars of NBA teams. Poole's a first-round pick of the Golden right? State Warriors. I did not right. see that coming. So um, Another kind of opportunity for him with, like, Golden State kind of in this mix. Retooling of, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, so shout-out to the drip god. Jordan Poole. Um, just a couple other quick ones. Isaiah Roby and Amir Coffey. Roby out of Nebraska uh, has looked good for the Mavericks in summer league so far. He was he was a draft pick that uh, you know wasn't even he didn't really have to sweat it out. He he went I believe in the second round um, to the Mavs and Amir Coffey looked really good for the Clippers so far. So Coffey was a guy that I wasn't sure if his game would translate to the NBA. It's still a long way to go. We're like one week in the summer league. None of this is established, but. Could he, be pre- premature, but we're also hopeful. Yeah, I think he put up 23 points for the Clippers. Um, so we'll see how many of these guys stick. And going to close this theme out with a guy who actually decided to stay and come back for another year and maybe cement his standing on NBA draft boards a little bit, and that's uh, Io DeSumo out of Illinois. He's getting a ton of preseason buzz as one of the top returning players in college basketball. He'll probably be an uh, all-Big Ten selection in the preseason our guy Andy Katz listed him as the I think number 22 overall player coming back in the 2019-20 college basketball season and bring Illinois to a championship <laughs> well maybe back to the tournament I think a lot of fans will take that first <laughs> for the first time in what will be seven years if they make it back but yeah I mean Illinois fans I know are, are very excited just having come from there about the potential of this year's basketball team and and you know for a guy like Iowa who I think was the second or third guy projected to be drafted in the Big Ten for, for someone like that to come back and maybe tune up their game around the edges and really make sure they're going to be a high pick. It's uh, going to be interesting to see how that plays out for them. So uh, that'll be good to, to kind of follow. And with all those guys, interesting to see how it pans out. Um, yeah, with you deciding to leave, I figured we could tie it in. To this the departure league. theme. Okay, okay. Let's, let's keep, let's, let's keep this uh, discussion on the NBA though because this last weekend was nuts oh my gosh like we said last week free agency season is arguably better than a lot of professional sports regular season yeah it's <laughs> basically a Hollywood drama right it, it's more compelling than I think whatever goes on in the NBA in November December January yeah, it's the clash of the superpowers who can outdo each other and following I think on social media has really amplified not only the summer league which is basically come to prominence in the last five years or so but free agency as well like we saw it a few years ago with the nba players texting emojis back and forth and and wondering or tweeting emojis and and wondering about the speculation of who would go where and i'm just curious were you able to follow in real time what was going on yes friday friday night Kawhi to the clippers where were you and how did you get the news i was at my friend's lake house in crystal lake 
And following, we went to this really darling, wholesome carnival that actually turned out to be horrifying because I'm really lame now and can't deal with heights in any capacity, but that's a side matter. So I was adrenaline up from this horrific experience, and the news broke when we were, like, getting ready for bed, and I couldn't believe it. I mean, I was just really happy that he wasn't going to the Lakers. I for sure thought he was going to stay. It was at, like, 1 a.m. Yeah, Yeah. And we talked about it last week, how we did not want to see him go to the Lakers, and I think we're both satisfied with his decision to go to Clippers. It kind of stinks for Toronto, but, I mean, they, they got a championship I mean, yeah, they can't be mad at him, but what, him and Paul George, like, it's so funny because I feel like Kawhi's such a buttoned-up guy. Nobody really knows who he's close to, he, where he falls with yeah. anything like that, which I kind of respect about him. He operates in silence for sure and, and stealth. Man of few words. Yeah, and he got it done, able to pry Paul George away from OKC, but all this happened after Zion's first summer league game got postponed or I guess the rest of it was canceled because of one of the earthquakes that happened right. down in LA. There's three earthquakes this past week yeah, in California. The Dodgers played through it in their game. Uh, I think they made the wise decision in Vegas to just kind of call off the rest of the game. It's just a summer league game. But um, side note, kind of a bummer because Zion is not going to play the rest of the summer league. He's got a bruised knee, I think it is. So that's all we got to see of Zion until October, I guess. Um, so that's kind of lame. Keep but people waiting. As a Southern California former resident colleen have you ever experienced any earthquakes oh many tons and um some obviously way greater than others i remember i distinctly remember one knocked all of our electricity out Ooh. Uh, so that's always eerie i've never are they scary there there's i mean it's a rumbling you you have earthquake drills in grade school you figure out what to do but i've been fortunate enough to never have any major damage but sadly these ones caused a lot of damage throughout california so I yeah hope everyone is safe I mean, people are still kind of on edge because it's, it's always rattling. talking about, you know, the big one and the San Andreas Fault. And, right. and if, you know, this is just a prelude to bigger ones, so hopefully, obviously, uh, the worst is behind us as far as the earthquakes go. I think they were fortunate that the epicenter was away from the more populated areas of Southern California totally. or Las Vegas. Uh, it's interesting, though, because... Have you ever been in one? No, yeah, I was going to say, there was one earthquake in... I think I was in eighth grade, and it was in the New Madrid fault line, which lies, I think, kind of along the Mississippi River around Memphis is, like, kind of where the worst of it is. And it was all the way south of Memphis, but we felt it in central Illinois and, and like, all around the Midwest. But I was asleep. It was in the middle of the night. I didn't feel it, but the next day at school, people were talking about it and had felt the earthquake. And I think it was, like, a six or, or seven. Um, but, yeah, I'm kind of bummed because I missed out on maybe one of my only chances if I stay in the Midwest to ever <laughs> – experience an earthquake so um i missed out on it but i have seen some of like the doomsday documentaries that talk about natural disasters and they say that the new madrid earthquake could be the worst earthquake if it ever kind of completely breaks away from the fault line or whatever and it could like just de- devastate oh like gosh. memphis and and st louis and all that so hopefully that never happens but you never really think about in the midwest there being an earthquake threat but it's possible totally so hope everyone is safe yeah so uh just a a wild night wild weekend in the nba um and we're coming off on on tuesday july 9th again this probably won't air for a little while i wanted to get one call for the culture in the bank before she leaves and before i leave town uh for about another week coming up here so this will probably be bundled in our football media days podcast episode so this reference will be a little dated, but the Home Run Derby was last night. I don't know if you watched, Colleen. I took in a little bit of it, but um, followed it mostly on Twitter. Yeah, I was definitely more on the highlights train as well as some radio talk this morning. But apparently it was the most entertaining Home Run Derby 
I don't think it can be disputed that since they've gone to the countdown clock or the, or the timer on the peop- on the players' rounds that the home run derby is made for bigger moments because you're trying to beat a clock. Now that it's like a bracket, players are going against each other competing. I didn't watch much, but I did get to see Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Jock Peterson's round where they were going into, uh, I guess you can call it bat-offs. They were tying and right. they had to basically get three swings to see who, who would win. Uh, the round that one was that one was awesome. That was thrilling. Um, and then Pete Alonso from the Mets obviously ended up winning, even though I think Vladdy Guerrero hit more home runs total. But yeah, it was entertaining just because you know Vladdy's like twenty years old. Pete Alonso's a rookie. Yeah, and, love how young they are. And I, I don't know if like is the home run derby does that hold any significance to you? Did you watch it growing up? Well, growing, I feel like I was much more invested growing up, um, but I have not really gotten into the MLB sw- th- swing of things yet. No pun intended. Yeah. But I'm happy to see that a younger generation is coming back into the limelight. Yeah, I've always liked the All Star Game itself a lot more. I like the uh, celebrity you know, All Star Game. Little pl- <laughs> there you go. Little plug for Fox, which is on tonight. I can't watch it tonight. I'm I'm upset about that. But uh, the Derby. You know, as I got older, it's kind of lost its luster for me. I actually went to one. Which one? In Minnesota in 2014. Um, I had, like, a college project where we helped out with all the All-Star Game festivities. Home Run Derby, um, Celebrity Game, Futures Game, which Javi Baez had a home run in before he played a game for the Cubs. It was awesome. Uh, And then the All-Star Game itself. And we, like, left the the All-Star Game early because that was back. Or, no, we left the Derby early. That was back when the Derby was in the 10-outs format before the timer and I think that was the last year of the outs format and it was just like a dragging sort of event that didn't really compel and since then I've kind of been turned off on it but I do tune in just because you know I'm a big baseball fan and uh, the all-star facilities are, are at least something to you know, keep you entertained in, in especially a s- slow sports season right I would say this ranks behind NBA all-star break for me but I don't, couldn't even probably tell you besides like the dodgeball game with the NFL what the NFL does the NFL the Pro Bowl is the worst I think by far oh uh, my god yeah I duh. mean they, they obviously don't try which for good reason you want anyone getting hurt right and they do have some skills competitions now in the, in the NFL Pro Bowl kind of experience that are a little bit interesting but it's also weird because, like, it's after the season, so yeah. like, everyone's kind of done at that point. I like the middle. It's a nice break. Oh, wait, no. Now it's – is it – It's before the playoffs, it's the week, right? No, it's now it's the week before the Super Bowl, I you're think. Right, so none you're of the, right, you're It right, used right. to be after. Now it's the week before the Super Bowl. So anybody that's in the Super Bowl, obviously. Doesn't play, right. So those are some of the best players right. in the league, and they're not going to try anyway. So, uh, yeah, Pro Bowl, eh, whatever. NBA All-Star Weekend is obviously interesting just kind of for the – the theatrics of it yeah again and entertainment the game itself not not great the dunk contest is cool three point whatever it's it's all pretty entertaining um i think the mlb all-star game is the most entertaining game because you can't you can't fake baseball you know like you you have to at least kind of throw your hardest you have to kind of play within the rhythm of the game and as a batter you're not going to go up there and get embarrassed you have to swing and try and get a hit so as dumb as i think the old rule was when the winner of the All-Star Game got home field advantage in the World Series, which was, like, going like on for it. 10 years or so. You're playing for something. Yeah, as dumb as it was, it was entertaining to watch yeah. during the All-Star And it's game. also, like, the home run derby, don't, doesn't the winner get a million dollars? Like, yeah, that's new. for a nice right, purse. that's new. And you, you think about it, I saw a bunch of tweets last night kind of highlighting the fact that Vladdy Guerrero and Pete Alonso, both rookies, making yeah, the rookie minimum. Yeah, this is big for them. They were making, I think their salaries are half a million dollars, yep, 550 that's totally grand. Right. 
So they could have doubled their salary almost last night by winning the Derby, and, and Pete Alonso did that. So Yeah, I good for them. Really happy for them. So, uh, yeah, moving on. Let's talk some entertainment and some viral shows, some Netflix, because that's what we do here in Call for the Culture. And, Colleen, kind of going back to the crux of what this segment has always been about, you filling me in on pop culture things. <laughs> Fill me in on the Stranger Things hype train because it's another show that I kind of missed the boat on, just like Game of Thrones. Okay, and how and why <clears throat> did you miss the boat on Stranger Things? All right, I'll tell you my philosophy behind not watching it, or behind not even really being that interested in it. I'm not a big fan of shows or movies that feature, like, adolescents as the protagonists or teenagers. Like, I just don't really get into it. I don't know. I just think their their plot development is limited. You always have to see them grow older, which is a little weird to me. Like, Yeah, well, it's not just following these four kids like, around. Like, I watched It recently, and it was okay. But, like, again, I, I don't really care about adolescence. And it always comes off as unbelievable to me because, like, and I say this not having seen Stranger Things, but they make the adults seem like total idiots. Like, in no, it, the, the, it's the adults, not like this. The adults, it, I, it's unfair to compare this to It, even though it's kind of like in the horror genre that... That for, that science fiction, science fiction, horror, horror genre, genre that uh, focuses on kids, but I uh, just I don't know. I, it's something that I'll watch, but it's not appealing to me, and I don't really have the energy to get invested in it. So that's my philosophy. Feel free to tell me I'm wrong or dumb for not watching. Won't say you're dumb. Would say you should invest because also it's one of those things. Netflix is interesting since they drop their series all at once. Mm-hmm. I do so, like that. This one came out in the crux of finally being summer in Chicago over 4th of July weekend over Women's World Cup. Shout out to them being champions again consecutively. Um, and so I, my roommate and I are like ra- rationing off the episodes so they're not all gone at once. But this se- season, this is the third season, definitely better than season two. Season two was 100% a letdown. Season one was amazing setting the plot and now we're back and it's very entertaining and I don't want to give anything away because I honestly think you could easily go back and watch. All of the seasons are only eight episodes. And again, I've heard good things about it, so I'm not totally dismissing it. Uh, and this, it's this, like such an ode to the '80s, like their detail that's and everything thing is, is like, amazing. That's another thing is like uh, I don't have the nostalgia for the '80s. Like I know some people that watch. I mean, probably it's not do. like I was alive I in the '80s, but it's right. so fun the detail that they put into the show. Like yeah. from all, like a lot of this season is taking place in the mall, and all of the stores and all of their outfits are like yeah. pulled straight from the '80s. It's so good. Yeah, it's a fair point um and it's the first season right that hasn't been dropped during like a halloween because isn't it kind of a spooky like it is spooky but this one is very much warm weather too they're outside a lot okay it's fun yeah netflix is smart in the way they structure their (laughs) releases and their seasons are around either holiday weekends or holiday seasons or they frame what's going on in the story around what it's like right now like you said with the summer kind of carnival or in the mall uh, feel to it and then a lot of their other ones were like around Halloween and kind of spooky so yeah Stranger Things another one that uh, maybe, I'll get the to, maybe I'll get to one day I'm still wa- working through Handmaid's Tale right now I wish they would drop all our episodes at once on Hulu like Netflix does uh, right now I'm just waiting for the next episode to come out so <clears throat> that's my show right now um, but you know you've made a, made a strong case maybe I'll get into um, into Stranger Things especially with some downtime the rest of summer uh, Colin, you mentioned it just briefly there, but we had a big soccer weekend. Yeah, Ameri- last weekend, American women champions again. This is their fourth um, title. Yep, fourth World Cup, second consecutive back to back. 
did you watch, watch the, the game? Whole thing where did you, where did you watch? In my apartment, we it's the game was at 10 a.m. on Sunday, and uh, this was the latest we'd scored since the Thailand game. Yeah, it was hard to believe, which was kind of shocking. But yeah, the Netherlands did a really good job defensively holding us, but then we scored both our goals within like 12 minutes of each other. Yeah, the Sunday 10 a.m. start kind of it was amazing. Well, I, I wish it would have been like a little either later in the day or on Saturday because like then it could have been more of a social thing. Like I did see there's a big crowd in Lincoln Park in Chicago. They're showing that on Fox for uh, the kind of watch party as they showed that, and then the one in Brooklyn and the one in Kansas City. I always love seeing the crowd reactions. But um, yeah, I just watched it by myself, just at my apartment, and I obviously enjoyed it. I I'm not the biggest soccer fan, so whenever I watch, it's in very small doses. So which is good for soccer because it's a 90-minute game and it's not a huge investment. But Sunday was a big soccer day overall with also the men playing Mexico at Soldier Field in Chicago for the Gold Cup final. I don't know if you watched that one too. Did not watch that one. I, I tapped out at the the women's game in the morning, but um, I mean, yeah, they lost. The right? women are a little more worthy of watching yeah. right now than the men with, with their talent level. But for me, it was you know the most soccer I'll probably watch all year in one day. Um, I watched both full games, and like I said, the, the U.S. men, who are always kind of in this, at least lately, kind of this purgatory of maybe showing some promise, but also being disappointing, especially having missed last year's World Cup. They got shut out by Mexico on our home turf here in the United States, in Soldier Field, in Chicago, and, and it was nuts to see probably 80% of Soldier Field filled with Mexico fans. Really? Yeah, it was a festive atmosphere saw a lot of mexico fans walking around downtown on sunday in their jerseys they care deeply about uh, i think l tree is what they're called or how they what they call their their team in mexico and they're rowdy so it was crazy to see like when mexico did score their goal everyone was throwing their beers or their drinks in the air and it honestly looked a little wilder than most bears games fine I think a, a soccer Should game. Should have gone. I know. I think a soccer game would be a lot of fun to go to. It's on my list of things to do that I haven't done, especially a big one. The problem is with these high-profile games, like tickets. I was looking at secondary market for Mexico, U.S. were two hundred dollars. So yeah. It, well, isn't there rumors that Chicago Fire is coming back to start playing at Soldier Field? I think that's the case. I don't know for sure, but I think I would be a bigger soccer fan or would be more ent- um, enticed to go. If it was at Soldier Field, because right now it's in the suburbs and it's just hard to get and out really there. Really hard to get to. And you look at some but. cities that have really embraced their MLS teams. Atlanta, Seattle, Portland. Austin will. LA. Their, uh, their stadiums are downtown. Right. Easy to get to. And it's really an event that, you know, right in this city we just don't really have right now. So Totally. Uh, yeah. Maybe, I, I mean, we say this, I feel like, every time soccer rolls around wraps up their yeah. big tournament like hey like maybe this will continue momentum i do think it does it's just been a slow build but it's gotten bigger in the u.s every year um yeah congrats to the women again because amazing great accomplishment. they're on their world tour they're gonna be hitting the espies i think they're in new oh, york today and they'll be at, fly cross country they'll be on ESPYs. every like talk show for the next couple weeks did you see them rightfully getting, so they are so entertaining on all social media did you see them getting off the plane yesterday yeah. when they landed rolling and all of them in their matching sweat outfits holding champagne yeah, i was gonna say those women were other. were partying Love, hard rightfully so i know rightfully so it was it was it was funny they were just rolling off posing rolling off like it, it reminded me when people get off you know those party trolleys that roll around yep. and then jump into the bars or whatever it was just like jet lag, tumbling out yeah, sunglasses yep. on 
glasses in hand. It was uh, it was fun to see. And before yeah, we close say. out, though, I must say I've never been prouder of a, a fellow Badger alum, Rose Lavelle, yeah. scoring that second goal. Congrats to Rose Lavelle. Congrats to uh, I think Jill Ellis, coach in Illinois, their coach. Um, the goalie went to Penn State, and I feel like I'm missing one Big Ten alum. But Rose Lavelle obviously had the big goal and was really the, the clincher to make it two yeah. zero. And she's only like twenty. She's twenty four. Yeah, twenty four, younger it's than wild. me. Makes me feel very unaccomplished. But she could be like the next big star in, in U.S. soccer, kind of to follow in the footsteps of Rapino and Abby Wambach, and then like Alex women like Morgan. Mia Hamm before them. Yeah, Alex Morgan has still got, I think, got a long ways to go. For she's sure. still got a long career ahead of her. Um, yeah, I mean they're celebrities and, and they deserve it. So congrats to them. Put a bow on that uh, that topic. And before we go, Colleen, since it is your last Call for the Culture episode, um, I'm going to have to bring a couple of my favorite Colleen memories Yikes. on Call for the Culture. And we'll start off with one <laughs> that at the time you begged me not to talk about. Oh, my but God. But since you're leaving, I'm going to bring up and give you a hard time about and um, I think since we're past it a little bit, it's a little easier for you to admit. So just a quick story. We talked a lot of Portland Trailblazers on Call for the Culture. Colleen's a big Blazers fan. and If this segment continues, it has to be known as a Blazers podcast. <laughs> throughout their run throughout the last postseason, the biggest shot obviously was Damian Lillard's series-clinching shot to send OKC home the step back over Paul George. And the morning after that happened, it was a late night. um, I think it happened after midnight here in the Midwest. And I rolled into work, and I asked Colleen, like, did you see the shot? And she just gave me a look, and right away I knew that she had fallen asleep and missed the shot. Colleen, do you have anything to say for yourself about missing the biggest moment? Okay. Laptop was on stomach. Felt like I woke up the next morning, immediately got to see all the highlights, but I couldn't lie. I think we should give myself more credit than that rather than pretending like I stayed up for the whole thing. It's just so, it's so painful that, yeah, that, uh, you know, as a a secondary uh, fan, like as a uh, fan that was living vicariously through you because my team wasn't in the playoffs, it's like that would be something that I could see happening to me. It, it reminded me of the fever pitch scene where um, <laughs> Jimmy Fallon misses the big Red Sox comeback against the Yankees because he's on date night and he thinks he's like, you know, the happiest he's ever been. And then it's kind of the, his downfall <laughs> in the movie because <laughs> he wakes because he realizes he misses a huge uh. game. But you're being a good sport about it and it's all in the past. And Dame's coming back and the Blazers have. Uh, you know, another probably good season ahead of him. So it's not not the worst <laughs> thing that ever happened. And uh, You're now, welcome now I'll, I'll redeem you, I'll redeem you a little bit with a shout out because somehow along the way here, I didn't really realize it was happening at the time. But you've transformed into an absolute Iron Woman competitor oh on the streets and, and lakefront here in Chicago. No, no. How no. many how many miles have you been running in the last? few months you're training for a what's, what's it called a, i'm doing a trail marathon this weekend a trail marathon so not just 26.2 miles 26.2 miles on a difficult terrain and course right yeah i don't know why i signed up i'm really actually horrified by it um the training i've just done the same as i would for a normal road race but like 
I've been reading articles and it's like, yeah, the first 800 feet uh, is completely on a mountain. And I'm just like, oh, God. Where is this? Where do we have mountains? Or Mountain Hill, whatever. Devil's Lake, Wisconsin. Okay. But that's crazy. Like, you've been literally running, like, 15 to 20 miles before work some of these days. Uh, as somebody who likes to run but stays in, like, the three to six mile range <laughs> most times. Just still amazing. Uh, no. Like, it, it makes me, uh, you know, really admire that resolve and will to, to go out and do that, especially on work days. Like, that's nuts. People usually save their long runs for the weekends. So, uh, well, thank you. Unbelievable. Thank you, thank you. Let's hope result. that I'm uh, here to tell the tale afterwards. Yeah, good luck this weekend coming thank up. Thank you. And um, good luck getting your second marathon in the bag. Um, speaking of, of congratulations, one more shout-out before you leave that I have to give you is the president, the new president of BTN, Francois McGillicuddy, who... Big Ten fans might not be familiar with, familiar with yet. Um, since he just took the reins this past few months, he'll be at Big Ten Media Days speaking coming up, and he'll be on TV and front-facing. Um, he came up to your desk <laughs> and congratulated you and said he's going to miss you, which is pretty impressive for a new employee of the president. <laughs> Shout-out to Francois for recognizing his employees. But i got to be honest, if I was leaving – Tomorrow, I don't know if I'm on a, as good of a first-name basis as you are. So that was pretty cool. Um, I th- Thank you. I mean, I think it is um, a direct correlation to my chattiness, and I can't keep quiet in the office. So in these summer months, I've been a little bit louder than normal. So maybe it's from that. But, yes, that was funny that he's now getting to know me as I, I'm now leaving the office. But Yeah, it's kind of ironic me, in that way. It's yeah. like you have the f- first-name basis and as you're, you're leaving. But I have no doubt that at NBC Sports Chicago – you'll make the same good impression on the powers that be there. Jeez, I hope so. All right. Before we wrap up, Colleen, we have to do one more edition of Yeet or Yikes. (laughs) I think it's evolved from, it was just yes or no at first, and then it became yas or yikes. Now it's Yeet or Yikes. Which must live on. Yeah. We have to, I'll I'll definitely implement this in the future somehow. And it's our segment where we basically say if something is cringeworthy or acceptable, and we're going to do it on the topic of farewells since again <laughs> so people, fitting people have been just to- totally zoning out <laughs> this is our last episode first one you have a bunch written down here the first one I'm gonna get us started with is since you're a Packers fan the whole Brett Favre saga of retiring and unretiring which I think it was a big yikes because I remember being I think like a middle school or high school and seeing every day on Sports Center people camped out at his like Mississippi home and then seeing if he was going to come back and Aaron Rodgers being left kind of in limbo and then even finally coming back but then going to the Vikings and it was just a big cringeworthy drama I usually don't like when players can't make up their minds about retiring or not I get that it's hard for athletes because they're so competitive but that was a big yikes and as a Packers fan, you've been following this. I didn't know there's like a new yeah, development. This here. is so funny. When you said you wanted to talk about this, I immediately thought you meant what happened two weeks ago. Which I hadn't heard about. When Aaron Rodgers and Brett were golfing together in the Bahamas, and somebody hacked Brett Favre's Instagram and posted that he was coming back. Quote hacked. It was probably him or, or absolutely Rodgers. not. And so, so wait, were the two connected? Like he said he was coming back while he was golfing with. Like, yes, it was, like, during that weekend, um, and somebody logged into his, somehow got into his Instagram and posted that he was making his return, which is just, obviously, he quickly came out to say he's very happy in retirement. I can see that being a Rogers, like, little inside joke with him, telling him to do that or something like that. 
Um, Rogers, for all his uh, stubbornness, it seems like out of those reports, does have a sense of humor as, as we've seen over yes. the years. I didn't know those two were on such good terms. Yeah, love it. Yeah. So I'm going to give that a big yeet as a, just a loyal <laughs> Packers fan. Well, love seeing them like together. Rogers has been reported as having all these grudges and all right. that. So interesting to see. I was unaware of that. Um, all right, I have to bring up one pop culture reference before you close us out on the Eater Yikes. Um, and this is a big yikes for me because one of my favorite sitcoms of all time seemed like it went off into the sunset on a good note, said farewell in classy fashion, and then kind of came back in like this weird, bungled form. And that's The King of Queens. The King of Queens, if anyone follows me on Twitter or sits around me at work, uh, they know King of Queens is my favorite sitcom of all time. Show with uh, Kevin James and, and Leah Remini playing Doug and Carrie, and then Arthur and all the hijinks they get up to as a middle class family in uh, Queens, New York. And I think it's hilarious. And it had a good run in the 2000s. I think it went off the air in 2009 or so. And then Kevin James, being the big star that he is, probably got paid a lot of money to come back to CBS and do a sitcom called Kevin Can Wait. And they basically brought Doug's wife from King of Queens, Carrie, Leah Remini, back into the show. I never watched Kevin Can Wait, but I heard about this uh, just through, I think, people who did watch it and online. They brought her into the show, not as Doug's wife, not as Kevin's wife, but in a different role. And they killed off the wife in the show (laughs) and made Carrie, like, the love interest again. And it's like, if you're going to do this, why don't you just bring back King of Queens? They were trying to obviously get viewers and people that were nostalgic about the show. Big yikes for me. Just a Just a, yeah, weird spinoff and not even, like, something in the same storyline, but just trying to make two of the same characters and extract them and plop them into a different show. And I just would have been thrilled with a King of Queens reboot for another couple seasons, but instead they had to kind of bungle it. With uh, Kevin can wait. So that's my big yikes. I've spinoffs are a, a tricky one. Just like I would say, did you watch Laguna Beach growing up? No. Okay. Well, big yeet to that, obviously. Okay. And then they had The Hills. Okay. Which I would Didn't say watch that either. first half yeet, second okay. half yikes. Then they had Very Cavallari with Kristen Cavallari yep. coming from Laguna Beach into her own. These are different genres we're talking. About no, here. they're no, all the same. They're no, no, all I'm the saying, same I'm saying your genres of TV that you enjoy are different than mine. Oh, I'm not. I mean, I'm not really a big reality TV fan, but this is just an. You're talking about spinoffs, oh, and yeah, I feel like sure. these are all in the same. Well, family of that. It's just a good lesson, Colleen. Can't go uh, halfway here. You got to go all the way in. You got to leap into this new job. No regrets. Dive all the way in and. Um, I mean, maybe if something opens back up here, not, I'm not saying, that, <laughs> not saying that's out of the question. Not but totally excommunicating yeah, me. Yeah, no regrets, though. Do um, you have any other, looks like you have a bunch written down here. Any other uh, I mean, the latest farewells or breakups that you can designate as year eggs? Which we definitely followed the um, A Star is Born, Bradley Cooper, and Girlfriend broke up about Why a month ago. Are Marina Shake, right? Yeah. And so that is the the biggest breakup that I could think of right now. Was it because of Lady Gaga? So I don't think so. But, I mean, how could you say it wasn't after all of those rumors and allegations? And just the very public displays of affection. That People were picking sides. You could you could attribute it to them acting out their roles in the movie. But, I don't know, I saw some, some sparks flying there that once you hear the news about the breakup, I think there's probably a little more to it than yeah, there's, what was going on, um, you know, in their roles in the movie. 
So, so that one's interesting. Is but that a yikes then, or yeet for you? I'm kind of going to go yeet just because I do secretly want Bradley Ugh. Cooper and Lady Gaga to get together. Oh. But that's just me loving the movie. It's a yikes. I was so sick of their just dog and pony show by the end oh of the Oh, my like, God. Did you ever yeah, end up even it. watching the we movie? Get it. Yeah, I saw, I saw Star is Born. And okay, okay. Good song. I like Shallow, um, the song, but... It's like, what, what show? What was it, the Oscars or the Grammys where they're just doing the whole staring in each other's eyes thing? <laughs> Puke. Okay, okay. Um, the Jonas Brothers, together for a while. Then we've got some separation. Nick, what, did Nick, they go out on their own? Nick, Kevin didn't. Nick went out on his own. Joe was in that band, DNCE. Remember that song, Cake by the Ocean? Oh, yeah. Did you know he was the lead singer no, of that? that? There you go. Now they're back, together. So that's probably And crushing heat, right? it. Huge eat. I literally am living for the Jonas Brothers all over again. Yeah, they're on a big comeback tour, so that's a yeet. Um, okay, um, and Sync, Justin Timberlake going out on his own was the best decision of his life. Oh, huge star. Okay, so agree. I love JT. Good, 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 good. Just making sure. Um, kind of controversial when Freddie Mercury tried to go out on his own. See, I'm, I'm bad with music, bad with references. I did not see, what was the movie called? Bohemian Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> Um, so I have no sort of frame of reference for this. Was it a good good call? Um, bad call to go out on his own, but then he ended up coming back together. Then he died, didn't he? Yes. So R.I.P. R.I.P. Unfortunate. Yikes or you bad call you said going on his own? I would say it was a, I would say that it's a yikes to go out on okay. his own. Um Gwen Stefani from No Doubt becoming Gwen Stefani B A N A N A S. <laughs> I didn't know she was in like a group before. What? I know like I remember her from is bananas B A N A N A S and all those other Harajuku girls, songs. all that. Yeah, this is like again middle school for me. So you didn't know she was in No music, Doubt. No, oh. I'm told you I'm bad with music. Okay, I did know about Beyonce and Destiny's Child though. So, okay, so although I love Beyonce, Destiny's Child, amazing. But it's a big eat, right? I mean, yes, but also like wish maybe they had like one more album together. Is there like a feud with them? Was there stuff that's come out drama? I don't know. I think it was, like, back in the day. Like, again, we were a little bit young. I mean, Beyonce is bigger than music itself. Well, so yeah. Fair, fair, fair. I, you can't question her decision there. Um, okay, a country one, Darius Rucker, being a part of Hootie and the Blowfish before being his own country star. I'm lost on this one. Really? I mean, I know both of those. I know... Like, Dar- I only want to be with you. Yeah, Hootie I know the- Darius Rucker and I know Hootie and the Blowfish, but I have no, like, idea if it was a good decision or not. Okay. Well, okay. We're, you have an itinerary here to listen to. Last one. Um, Fergie... Black Eyed Peas. Will I Am is on his own too, right? For the Black Eyed Peas. Yeah. Also, yikes. Yikes. I, I would say they were way more. <laughs> we're going to say way more yeet when they were together, and way more yikes. The on last, their own. the most recent memory we have of Fergie is that national anthem yeah. from a couple years ago, um, where like the NBA players were literally laughing at her. I think it was during the finals last year. Yeah, it was sad. <laughs> it's a little sad, but it's a little funny. Yeah. So I'm going to probably go with yikes on her solo career because the Black Eyed Peas were just so legit when they were together. I love You're them. just bringing back all my middle school music. Exactly. Like, these are like middle school dance songs. Yes, you know, a little so. bit cringe. You're kind of ashamed. It's like, but I, kind I of got loving. a feeling. Yeah. It's going to be. All right. Um, really good list you put together there. I needed to rely on your pop culture and music knowledge there, especially because I'm still here for I'm it. I'm kind of illiterate when it comes to that. I'm so. just a phone call away. I know. I'm not ruling help. out a return appearance. I, I mean, I literally have guests on every show that don't work <laughs> here. So it's not like. Keep it alive. It's not like it's out of the question. I think we set a record on time on this one, um, pushing 40 minutes on the final edition of Call for the Culture. So we did it big. Colleen, again, congrats on the next step in your career. Uh, it's cool. 
that you're staying in sports. It's a tough industry, obviously, to be in, but you're carving your way in it and going to be excited to follow and see what you do. And I'm excited for you to get me tickets to Blackhawks and Bulls. <laughs> games in the future so sentimental and then just had to you know finagle your way in at the end thank you alex um it's been real on the pod i'll miss sitting across from you i'm sure i'm sure miss our listeners will uh miss the segment as well so like i said we'll be following and thanks for all your your help contributions and i'll let you sign us off one last time i will eventually talk to you next time All right, thanks once again to Colleen, Bruce, and Joel for joining me on the show. It's hard to believe that football season is about a month away. Um, Summer feels like just started, and it's basically already August, and and we'll be rolling up on your campus soon here for the BTM bus tour. So looking ahead, we'll have a lot of uh, interviews and content coming when we stop at each campus in August. That's right around the corner. We'll have a couple of episodes hopefully coming to you before then and keep it rolling here on the show as we uh, chug ahead toward football season. So thanks again to everyone for listening. Thanks to my producers, Wes White, Julie Browner, as always, for stitching the show together. And we'll talk to you soon here on the Take 10 Podcast.